Can you hear me now? All right, James chapter 5. James chapter 5. Everybody come on in, stand to your feet. If you need a lesson, if you need a lesson, raise your hand. We're going to run like the wind. We've got people uh, somewhere that's going to help us pass out them, uh, them lessons back there. Brother Jeff, is there lessons back there you can help? Raise your hand real high. Raise your hand real high so we can make sure and get you a lesson. All right, quickly, quickly, Brother Shane, there's some over here, some over here. Uh, uh, got, got four we need over here. Do we have some over here? <clears throat> Everybody else turn to James chapter number five. If you are here, if you are here for the very first time on our Wednesday night Bible study, we are glad to have you. Say amen, church. Amen. We are glad to have you. What we do, what we do on Wednesday night is we just take a book of the Bible and we go through it verse by verse. We're just studying the Bible uh, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And it is a thrill to learn the Word of God. Amen? Amen? And now, what we've been talking about and what we've been covering so far in James chapter number 5 is praying for those in need. Praying for those in need. One, we, we prayed for the selfish. The first part of this chapter 5, we talked about the selfish. Uh, then we talked about the suffering. The suffering and and boy, there was a, a there was a lot of truth we learned about suffering and going through the fire. Uh, if you didn't get a chance to to get that study, you ought to go back on the internet and get that because if you ever go through the fire, you need to be reminded that God's there waiting on you. Say Amen. amen. The suffering, not only the selfish, the suffering. Uh, last week we talked about the sick and the answered prayer. Well, we're going to finish up the book of James tonight and talk about the last two verses of uh, the book of James in chapter number 5, and we're going to deal with the straying. Say that with me. With the, the straying or the sinning, whichever one you want to do. Basically, we're talking about Christian people who have walked away or have strayed away from the truth. Now, how many of y'all know, how many of y'all have ever heard of the word backslidden? Being in a backslidden state or backsliding. That is a favorite word of old-time preachers. Say amen. Uh, backsliding. And, and it's very easy to do. You have different denominations that teach that if you backslide, you lose your salvation. And, and some uh, that if you backslide, that God, God's angry at you and, and, and he's mad at you. Listen, God always wants to restore the backslider. Say amen. And we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about that in these two verses, okay? So let's look in James chapter number 5. Has everybody got a lesson now? Are we ready? Everybody got a lesson. All right, James chapter 5 in verse number 19. Verse number 19. Brethren, key word, key word in this particular chapter because you need to know who he's talking to. You need to know who he's addressing. He's not talking to lost people. He's talking to brethren. Are you all with me? Say amen. It says, brethren... If any of you, who, the brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your, your word. Thank you for an opportunity to come study it. Thank you for a place that we can come and fellowship and, and enjoy your house and enjoy your people and a place where young people are hearing the word and being taught the word and being trained in the word. I pray, God, that you'll teach us now, guide us now, help us. Lord, give us what we stand in need of. Lord, I pray, 
Lord, you know every heart that's in this room. You know every single person that walked through the door. You know their, their fears. You know their anxiety. Lord, you know their, their joys. Lord, you know their heartbreaks. You know everything about every person here. Lord, according to your word, you know every hair on our head. And I pray right now that you'll meet every single need, touch every single heart, mend every single broken spirit. I pray, Lord, that your perfect will be done tonight. And God will thank you for it. In Jesus' name we all pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. James chapter number 5 and verse number 19. Backsliding. <clears throat> Backsliding. There are several, uh, several things we're going to talk about, and we're going to try to go as quick as we can, uh, but, but also take our time. I know that's, that sounds crazy, but uh, we want to get the full effect and the full truth out of this particular portion of Scripture. So, Here's what I want to do. Here's what I want to do. Let's, let's talk about number one. Number one, when it comes to backsliding, when it comes to being in a backslidden condition, we need to understand first, number one, the potential. The potential for backsliding. The potential for backsliding. Uh, what, what, do we, what do we want to know? What do we want to see here? He is not directing his word or his teaching or the truth he is speaking here to lost people. He's directing it to save people. He's directing it to the brethren. And here's what I want you to understand. If you're taking notes, if you're writing this down, I want you to understand something about the potential in backsliding. It is equal in people. Write that down. A, it is equal in people. What does that mean? What does that mean? It means this. Every person in this room has potential to backslide. I don't care how long you've gone to church. I don't care how much you've read your Bible. I don't, care, I don't care how long you've been a Sunday school teacher. I don't care how long you've been a deacon. I don't care how long you've been a pastor. I don't care whose family you were raised in or, 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 or who your parents are. My dad was a, a, a Baptist preacher and my mom was a shouting Christian. Say amen. Even with that heritage and that pedigree, I still have potential to backslide. Listen, David was a man after God's own heart, and he backslid. Samson was the strongest man ever to live, and he backslid. Solomon was the wisest man ever to live. He was not just smart. He was not just intelligent. He was not just wise, but he had a supernatural wisdom given to him by God himself, and he backslid on God. What's the point? What's the point? If the first man can backslide, Adam... If the, the, the strongest man can backslide, Samson. If the wisest man can backslide, Solomon. If the man closest to God's own heart can backslide, David. If that can happen to them, it can happen to us. We have potential. Everyone has potential. The Bible says in, in Hosea eleven seven, he said, And my people are bent to backsliding from me. Though they called them to the Most High, none at all would exalt him. He said they are bent to backsliding. The word bent there means a natural curve or inclined to. In other words, it comes natural. How many of y'all understand the fact that it is more natural to do wrong than it is to do right? Now, oh, 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 oh. We are by nature sinners. David said, in sin did my mother conceive me. Now, thank God we are partakers of the divine nature. Say amen. 
But we are still in the flesh. And we have a propensity to backslide. We have, here's, this, is, this is the way we need to look at it. This is the way we need to look at our spiritual walk and our spiritual life with God. Everybody does. I don't care who you are. Everybody needs to look at it this way. How many of you, how many of you have ever uh, went swimming in a river? Raise your hand. River. Now, I'm not, talking about, I'm not talking about a river that has no current. I'm talking about a river with current. Uh, there, there, listen, when you are a Christian, you are swimming against the current. You understand that? When you are a Christian, you walk out those doors, guess what? You go into the current of culture. You go into the current of a wicked and a sinful society. And guess what you have to do? You have to keep paddling, baby. You got to keep swinging them arms. You got to keep an effort because as soon as you stop swimming, help me, you go backwards. Guess what? You can never, now, now get this, please. You can never throw your spiritual vehicle into neutral. There is no neutral in the Christian walk. You're either going forward or... You mean, you mean tell you how to get backslidden real quick? You mean tell you what you need to do to get backslidden real quick? Nothing. Are y'all with me? We all have potential. Don't ever look at someone. I tell you what, they, 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 if, if they're not careful... Hello, man, y'all quiet tonight. I must be getting everybody, amen? Say it with me. We all have potential. Watch what it says. Proverbs 24, 16. <clears throat> Proverbs 24, 16. Look in your notes right there. For a... For a... So we're talking about a good guy, right? We're talking about a good guy. We're talking about a righteous man. We're talking about a just man, a... A man in good standing. Watch what it says. For a, what does a just man do? You mean to tell me a good guy can fall? Isn't that what that's teaching? A just man. In other words, no matter how good you are, you have potential to fall. But watch. A just man falleth how many times? And riseth up again. Now, write this down. The potential in backsliding, it's equal in people. Now what, now, what do we need to take from that? What do we need to take from that? We need to be very careful. We need to be very careful. We always need to understand we have potential. We always need to understand we have potential. I have potential to fall. I have potential to mess up. I have potential to do wrong. If I have potential to do wrong, I'm going to be very careful. I, I, I'll, I'll give you an illustration. I, there, was a preacher, there was a preacher that I knew when I was a kid. And... Uh, I mean, the dude could preach the paint off the walls. I mean, literally, the guy could preach. It was, I'm you, I've never been into a service where he was up there preaching that I ever left bored or ever went to sleep, even as a little kid. Now, you know, you got to, you got to be doing it to keep a kid's attention. Say amen. So, so here he is, one of, one of, you know, a guy I looked up to all the time. When I was 18 years old, I went to Bible college. And uh, in, in my first year in Bible college, and you know, you hear this stuff, but it's just not real until it happens to somebody you know. Well, I, I found out that he had had an affair with another pastor's wife. And I'm telling you what, it broke me down. I'm not going to lie. It just, it, it, I, I cried like a little kid. I mean, you might, I, it, it was, anyway, anyway, 
I was talking with a, a pastor friend of his. They were really, really close and tight. Now, you've got to understand, they're, they're a, 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 a lot older. I'm 18, so I'm, you know. And, and I asked him, I, I said, I said what, what? How did this? I said, I don't want to know no details. God knows I don't want to know no details. I said, but how did, he said, they got too familiar with each other. He said, their families went on vacations together. He said they were always together, always hanging out together, got so familiar. They would, you know, they would talk about stuff that normally you wouldn't talk about with other company. Are y'all with me? And, and, and so here we go, boom. I talked to Dr. Brown about it because it bothered me. It bothered me bad because in my mentality and in my thinking, this dude is an awesome preacher. And if this happened to him... I don't have a prayer because I'm just barely saved, man. How many of y'all ever feel barely saved? Go to Atlanta and drive. You'll feel barely saved. Say amen. I mean, I'm just, I'm just struggling to read my Bible, man. I mean, I'm just trying not to, to, to say bad words to people in traffic. Are y'all with me? Do you ever feel that way? I mean, I'm trying my best just to try to be a Christian, not much less a preacher. I said, if this happened to him, this was a good guy. Man, this, he, he, he could do it. And I, and I was telling Preacher Brown this. I said, man, I'm telling you, if this can happen to him, I don't have a prayer. He says, how did, he said, this is what he said. How does it make you feel? I said, it scares me to death. He said, good. He said, if there was a rattlesnake there on the floor, what would you do? I'd scream like a little girl. So what would you do? I said, I wouldn't do nothing. I'd go the other way. Only good snake's a dead snake. And if you're a reptilian person in here, shame on you. Get right with Jesus. Say amen. <laughs> Devil thought enough to get in one. You don't need to be around it. Say amen. I said, I ain't messing with it. He said, why? I said, I'm scared of it. I don't like snakes. I hate snakes. He said, as long as you're afraid, you won't mess with it. You me tell you why we get people messing up? They cease to be afraid. When you cease to be afraid, you cease to be careful. And when you, you get careless, that's when you fall. What's the point? If you don't think you have potential, you will get careless. And you won't work on your spiritual life. You won't try to stay closer to God. You won't make an effort to do everything possible that you can to stay spiritual. Because as soon as you think you got it, as soon as you think you're in control, as soon as you think it can't happen to you, Are y'all with me? Now do you see why that first point is so important? We all have potential. We all have potential. B, the potential in backsliding, it's equal in people. A just man can fall just like a wicked man. Not only is it equal in people, it's exaggerated by pride. It's made worse by pride. Pride is a horrible thing. <clears throat> Pride is a horrible thing. It is so horrible that God hates it. 
God lists specifically in his word, he hates pride. Do you know why Satan fell? Pride. He was cast out of heaven because of his pride. Do you know why most Christians fall? Pride. Do you know why there are so many relationships that are not repaired today, that are still on the outs with each other, grudges that have gone on for years? I'm talking about family feuds that have lasted generations because of pride. Pride. Watch what it says. Watch what it says. 1 Corinthians 10, 12. Wherefore, now read it with me, read it with me. I, I know it's quiet tonight. I know it's quiet, and I know we're all up in this, this, this lesson because we all God's dealing with all of us. We, he's dealing with all of us, and I, and I get that. So let's just let's do this tonight. How many of y'all, how many of y'all would do this tonight? Let's look at it this way. Let's, let's all put blinders on. Everybody put blinders on tonight. In other words, this is how I want everybody to look at this, this lesson tonight. It's for nobody else in this room but me. Are y'all with me? Because if we get distracted and we start thinking of people who needs to hear this. Y'all with me? Y'all remember the guy. Y'all remember the guy that was caught in the snowstorm. Every Sunday, this guy, the preacher, he's the worst hoodlum in the whole church. And every Sunday, he'd tell the preacher when he was walking out the door, Preacher, you sure gave it to him today. And man, he was, the preacher just kept getting aggravated because he was preaching right at the guy, and he just wouldn't listen. Well, one day there was a horrible snowstorm come up, and there was only one guy that showed up to church, and it happened to be him. That preacher said, I got him, I got him today. And son, he went from Genesis to Revelation twice, unloaded both barrels, I mean put everything he had preaching right at the guy. I got him today. He comes out to church He's walking out the door. He shakes the preacher's hand with a smile. said, I tell you what, preacher, if they'd have been here, you'd have got them again today. <laughs> Not tonight. Say it with me. Not tonight. Not tonight. This is for me. Everybody. All right. All right. Here we go. 1 Corinthians 10, 12. Let's all read. Let's all read. 1 Corinthians 10, 12. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he lest he fall proverbs 16 18 read it with me pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall there's no greater story that you can read than go into the book of joshua and you'll find joshua is a commander he is he is the captain of of the army and 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 he comes to god and if you if you'll read from chapter 1 all the way to chapter 5, every time that you see Joshua, he's listening to God. God tells him what to do. Every time he does what God tells him what to do, he is victorious, and it works every single time. Whether it was crossing the Jordan River, whether it was marching around Jericho, no matter what, every time he listened to God, every time he went to God for help, every time he did what God said to do, he was victorious. Jericho was a citadel. Jericho was an impenetrable city. Jericho was the it was the the star of all of the promised land. And it was it was a place that nobody could get in. And God destroyed that city for uh Joshua as Joshua did what he said to do. Well, it's very easy after you have a great victory 
to get lifted up in. And y'all know the story. Instead of talking to God and asking God what we needed to do, he talked to man and said, Counselor, what do y'all think we need to do? He said, well, this next city, the city of Ai, it's not that big a deal. Let's just send a few soldiers up there. Man, after what we did to Jericho. You see, but what they were not thinking is it wasn't them that did it. It was God. Let's just send a few soldiers up there. And, and there, was, there was two things they discounted. They didn't talk to God first, and they didn't realize they were sent in the camp. And because of that, they utterly failed. They went to a city they should have just obliterated. And because of that, they failed. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Be careful. Don't let pride overload your wagon. Say amen. Number one. Tell me number one. There is. Come on now. There is potential in backslide. Number two. I want you to see the pattern. The pattern in backsliding. <clears throat> And we're going, to look, we're going to look at the book of Hebrews. We're not going to turn there, but I want to encourage you to. I gave you the verses where to go to and all of that. But there is a pattern that usually always takes place when it comes to a Christian. You don't just go from the fireplace to the freezer. Are you all with me? You don't just go from being on fire for God, being excited about God, being excited about serving in the church, being excited about going to church, being excited about the worship, being excited about small group, not being able to wait till you can hang around with your Christian friends and, and being really jacked up about everything that is godly and holy. And Man, it, it, you just don't go to there and all of a sudden, I don't care about nothing. It just doesn't work that way. It just, you, you don't go from being on fire to being in the freezer Overnight, It does not happen that way. Are y'all with me? Say amen. The book of Hebrews, the whole book of Hebrews is dealing with a group of people who are being tempted to turn back. In other words, they, were, they have come out of Judaism. They have come out of a, a former way of worship, a former uh, way and a former religion, and they have trusted in Christ. They have, they have walked away from the temple. They have walked away from the sacrifices. They have walked away from their, their Judaistic past. And now they are followers of the king. They are followers of Jesus. They are true disciples of Christ. But things have gotten difficult. Things have gotten hard. They are being persecuted for their brand new faith. And now there are false teachers that are trying to pull them back. And they are being tempted to, what's the word we're talking about tonight? backslide and this is what paul is addressing the whole book of hebrews is trying to encourage a group of people who are being tempted to backslide now look at the verse in james chapter 5 look at the verse in james chapter 5 he says brethren brethren we're talking about brethren we're talking about saved folks we're talking about brothers and sisters in christ brethren if any of you do what's that next word say it again air the word err there means to wonder. <clears throat> it means to stray. It means to wonder. Now, what are we erring from? Say it again. The truth. The truth. If any of you do err from the truth, guess what? Anytime you backslide, you are wondering, you are straying from the truth. All right? Now, it's the same thing that's happening in the book of Hebrews. The whole book of Hebrews is God telling us to take heed to his word. Take heed to his word. 
And throughout the whole book of Hebrews, you will find out what happens if you do not take heed to his word. And it gives a perfect process or a perfect pattern of a backsliding Christian and how it works. First thing, write this down. Write this down. Hey, the first thing that takes place, there is a drifting from the word. A drifting from the word. You find this in chapter 2, verse, and, and I put the verses, but I, we're not going to have time to go into all of them, but I, I would encourage you to go home and read them. Uh, uh, say amen right there. Go home and read them. It talks about, it talks about drifting away. Uh, listen, it doesn't, I, I wrote in here in your notes, people are like automobiles. They start missing before they quit. Hello? At one time, they're at every single life group. At one time, they're at every single church service. At one time, they're at every single Bible study. And they're, they're going after it. They're serving. They're involved. They're doing this and they're doing that. And then all of a sudden, they miss one. All of a sudden, they're just too tired tonight. All of a sudden, I just don't, I just don't feel like it. Or I've got something else I need to do. Or uh, How many of y'all know we can make an excuse for anything we really want to do or don't want to do? So we don't just completely stop everything, but we do start. Now watch, watch. Listen, we drift from the word. Uh, let, 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 me read, let me read our notes here. In the book of Hebrews, we find a group of believers who were going through difficult times and were being tempted to go back to their Jewish religion. The temple was still standing when this book was written, and all the priestly ceremonies were still being carried on daily. They were uh, being seduced by their, the, the teachers of false doctrine. They were in danger of forgetting the true word, and their first leaders, now dead, had taught them. The tragic thing about these believers is that they were at a standstill spiritually and a danger of going backward. Some of them had even forsaken the regular worship services. That's where we find Hebrews ten twenty five, forsaking not the assembling of yourselves together. And they were not making spiritual progress. In the Christian life, if you do not go forward, you go there is no permanent standing still, all right? Now, we drift from the Word. How many of you, how many of you have ever, maybe, maybe you, you, you've been to the ocean before, been out, about it, out in the ocean? Me and my little brother, <clears throat> we used to, uh, we, used to uh, we lived in Fort Pierce. We lived right there on the ocean. And, and uh, uh, periodically, my mother would take me and my brother and my sister to the beach, and we'd get to play in the water and all that when we was little kids. But, but we couldn't, we, we wasn't allowed really to go that deep. We wasn't supposed to anyway. Uh, we wasn't supposed to go to a certain depth of water. So what we did was we figured out a plan. So we would be in the shallow water, and then we would go all the way down to only our heads stuck out of the water all the time. Even if it was only two foot of water, we would just let our heads stick out the water, and slowly we would back out. Because, see, Mom wouldn't know. Are you all with me? We thought. Amen. Well, here we are. We'd get so caught up playing in the ocean and playing in the water and, and just cutting the fool. And, 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 and then all of a sudden we, we realized, uh, you know, we need to get something to drink. So, so we looked up at the shore and mom was gone. There was just a big old guy up there. And we're looking like, what's happened? Did mom leave us? And then we get to looking and all of a sudden... We see way down the beach, mom with a not-so-nice look on her face. 
We was just playing. We thought we were right in front of mom the whole time. But the whole time, we were not paying attention. We were goofing off. We were drifting. We skipped some spiritual exercise that we know we ought to be doing. We don't think it's that big a deal. But the whole time, we're... We skip a church service here and there. We skip a time to read our Bible. We skip a time to pray. We lay out of this and we lay out of that. And we don't think it's that big a deal. And we don't think it's that big a deal because the whole time the devil's sitting on our shoulders saying, it's not that big a But the whole time we are drifting. What's the next thing that happens? The first, the first step to backsliding is just drifting. It's not robbing a bank. It's not having an affair. It's not cussing out your Sunday school teacher. Are y'all with me? It's not this drastic thing that we think backsliding is. It's simply being careless and drifting. The second stage, the second stage in the pattern. First, there is a drifting from the word. We find that in Hebrews chapter 2. But then there is a doubting of the word. What happens when you begin to drift away from the word? You begin to doubt the word. When the preacher preached, matter of fact, some of y'all have drifted a little ways now, and me saying this, you're doubting right now. You're doubting right now. I, I, you know, come on, it ain't that big a deal. Hebrews chapter 3, the Bible says that the, the, the children of Israel had a hard heart. In other words, it's hard to get through. It's hard to show someone in, in that situation. You, you know, when, when you try to share and help somebody in that particular backslidden state, it's hard to get through to them because they're doubting the Word. They go from drifting from the Word to doubting the Word. Now they go to full-blown dullness toward the Word. See, write that down. Dullness toward the Word. What does that mean? If you go look, if you go look in, in Hebrews chapter number 5, you'll find out that Paul is saying, I want to show you some things, but I can't show them to you because you're not going to be able to understand. A dullness to the Word. In other words, if I did tell you the truth, you wouldn't be able to understand it because you have, you have gotten into a spiritual state to the point that truth doesn't make sense. I can explain it, but you have drifted so far. You have doubted so much that it's not, if I did say it, you wouldn't believe it anyway. A dullness to the word. Then, D, write this down. Then we go to despising the word. We go to, to despising the word. This is in Hebrews 10, 26 through 39. What does that mean? We go from doubting what the preacher says to getting angry at what the preacher says. We go, to, we go to being careless, to, to, to really saying, well, you know, to a point that no matter what's said, to, to a point where if it is said, we get an attitude. We get an attitude. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? And, and, and the whole time, we're drifting. The whole time, we're, we're getting worse and worse. It's getting more and more difficult. We're getting farther and farther away 
from where we need to be with God to the point that we come to the last stage. We defy the word. Hebrews chapter number 12. We defy the word. We refuse to hear it. We just flat out refuse to hear it. Now look at your notes. If we do not listen, if we do not listen to God's word and hear it, we will start to drift. Neglect always leads to... Now listen, this is in the things material. What will happen if you neglect maintenance on your car? What will happen if you neglect maintenance on your house? What will happen if you neglect maintenance on your marriage? So why do we think neglecting our spiritual walk is going to be any different? When we neglect... We will drift in things material, physical, as well as spiritual. As we drift from the Word, we start to, we start to doubt the Word. Why? Why does that take place? Because faith cometh by and hearing by the Word of God. The Word of God. I tell you what, you get somebody that's in their Bible all the time, they're going to have some faith. And whatever God's Word says, they're going to believe it. They're going to believe it. When God says in His Word, I don't care how poor they are, I don't care how bad a shape economically they are, financially they are, if they're in their book, they have read over there where it says, My God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory. And it doesn't matter what the outside circumstances say, they're going to believe it because their faith is going to be strong because the Word of God is in them. Are you all with me? Now watch, now watch. See how this process plays out? When they neglect, they begin to drift. When they begin to drift, they begin to doubt. Why? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. We start to get hard hearts, and this leads to spiritual sluggishness, which produces dullness to the Word. We become dull of hearing or lazy listeners. This leads to a despiteful act. In other words, let's... Let's do it this way. <clears throat> when, a person, when a person is where they're supposed to be with God, when a person is in a relationship with God the way it needs to be, everything that you hear spiritually is exciting. Everything means something. In other words, in other words uh, you could be preaching on a subject, aiming at this person over here, and God body slams a person way over there. Because they come in hungry. They come in eager for the Word. Have you ever noticed how good food tastes when you're hungry? Hello? And have you ever noticed that that same food that tasted so good when you was about to starve, when you're so full you can't even eat no more, it don't even taste good? You mean, this is, this is probably not a real good illustration here, but I'm going to say it anyway. <clears throat> uh... How many of y'all know grandmas, are, they've, they've got it going on? Did anybody ever have a grandma that you stayed at their house and, and you went to rummaging around in the kitchen to find something to eat before she cooked dinner and, 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 she, mm-hmm. and she said, get out of this kitchen? You can't have a Twinkie? Hello? You can't have none of this stuff? You're going to ruin your... They knew something. How many times do we 
we just soak up so much junk that when we come to sit down before the table and, and the bread of life and God goes to service a spiritual meal, we're so full of junk, we don't even have an appetite for it. But when we're hungry for it, when we're anticipating, when we're, when we're walking with God during the week. And by the way, by the way, you, you don't have to wait. You don't have to wait till Sunday to worship. You need to be worshiping every day. You need to be walking with him every day. You need to be fellowshipping with him every day. Because when you do, you'll get up here. I can't wait to hear what he's got to say. Because what he's got to say is important to me. It's important to my walk. It's important to my prosperity. It's important for the benefit of my life. It will help me in my marriage. It will help me in my family. I need what's being said. But after we've drifted away, well, I guess we gotta go. It's Wednesday night. Sure wish it was Thursday. <laughs> now I'm saying this. I'm saying this because I've been there, and and I'm not a gambling person. But I'd, I'd be willing. Let's use the word guarantee. I'd be willing to almost guarantee just about everybody in this building has too. We've been in places in our life where it just wasn't exciting as it used to be. It just wasn't as fulfilling as it used to be. And you know what we do? First thing we do is blame the church. We blame our small group. We blame our preacher. We blame our small group leader. Because it's got to be somebody else. It, it, it's, it's definitely not my fault. I mean, I know I've stopped reading my Bible, but that's not my fault. I'm not spending time in worship. I'm not listening to godly music. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to seek God and pursue Him. But, but you know, there's a, there comes a time in maturity. And I believe I can say this. I believe I can say this in this atmosphere because if you're here on Wednesday night, you're trying to be mature. Because we had 2,000 on Sunday, and there ain't that many in here, so y'all are the cream of the crop. Are y'all with me? So I'm not going to beat y'all up too bad. So I, I, I know y'all are making an effort, but here's the point. Sooner or later in our Christian walk, in our Christian life, we have to take responsibility for our own spiritual state and quit blaming everybody and everything else. Amen? Listen, drifting. <clears throat> drifting promotes doubting. Doubting promotes dullness. Dullness promotes despising. This leads to a despiteful attitude toward the Word to the extent that we willfully disobey God. And this gradually develops a defiant attitude. We almost dare God to do anything. Let me tell you something. When it gets to that point, that's a dangerous place to be. A dangerous place to be. Why? Number three. Number three. I want you to see the peril. The peril in backsliding. The peril in backsliding. <clears throat> we talked about the potential. We talked about the pattern or the process that takes place, how it happens. It doesn't happen overnight. It happens gradually. It, it, it's... it's, it's that's why it's so dangerous. That's why it's so dangerous. It happens so gradually that we never see it coming. How many of you have ever heard the phrase or the, 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 the story of the frog in the pot? 
and, 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 and the frog's in the water, and you just gradually turn the heat up to the point that it's boiling. And he's been in it the whole time, and it's so gradual that he doesn't realize it's getting hotter in there, and he boils to death, and he doesn't jump out. A young man went to an older preacher. <clears throat> he drifted so far, and he was, he was blaming everybody and everything in the church, and, you know, the teaching just wasn't fulfilling anymore, and it just wasn't... It just wasn't meeting his need, and and all, and and he went to the older preacher. He wanted to, to to you know explain to him why he wasn't coming to church, and 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 really plead his case and explain to him and 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 help him understand it was his fault. So he comes, and the preacher is sitting at the fire. He's an older man of God. <clears throat> How many y'all know older folks don't say much, but what they say matters. Well, he's sitting there by the fire and, and the older gentleman or the younger gentleman came in and sat beside him and he started in. Man, he's just wide open this and that and this and that and this and that. And without saying a word, the older man of God took the tongs and reached into the fire and pulled out a, just a, a, a coal that was glowing like crazy. And he set it over here to the side and then just kept listening. And the whole time that that young man was pleading his case. In the corner of his eye, he kept watching that, that piece of red-hot coal that was off to the side, that was out of the fire, that was out of the fellowship. Hello. And the longer it stayed over here, y'all know what happened, the cooler it got. And then all of a sudden, when that, when that, when that coal went completely dark, it just hit, it just hit that young man. And he said, sir, what do I do? He didn't say a word. Picked it up, put it back in the fire. And in just, hallelujah, right there, boy. In just a few moments... That thing was glowing red again. Church, say amen. I might have should have waited till the end to tell that one, but I had to hurry up. Because I may run out of time. Amen. Three things right here I want you to write down. Why is backsliding so dangerous? Why is it, is it, is it so imperative that we, we are careful and we're not careless, that we, we, we keep a good watch on our spiritual state? What is the peril of backsliding? A, write this down. Because of sins consuming. <clears throat> because of sins consuming. For the wages of sin is... For the wages of sin is... For the wages of sin is... Look at the next one. James 1.15. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth and sin. Watch this now. Every time. Every time, no matter the situation, no matter the issue, sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. What does sin do? Sin deceives. Sin deceives. It also divides. Sin divides. What does it divide? Or who does it divide? It divides you and your Savior. 1 John, 1 John chapter 1 is very clear in this. 
In the very beginning of 1 John chapter number 1, in the first couple verses, it says these things that we have seen and these things that we have witnessed of the word of life. In other words, he said, we have touched the Lord, we have seen the Lord. We're not telling you something we've heard. We've seen him with our own eyes. He's the real deal. Jesus was real. And we're telling you about him because we want you to have fellowship with him. We want you to have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father. In other words, we want you to be in the family of God. So we're telling you about Jesus. Now watch. But there's one thing you need to know. There's one thing you need to know. God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Are y'all with me? But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship. Somebody say amen. Well, what do we do? We're not in the light. We've messed up. Oh, He's got something for that too in the same chapter. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He wants you to have fellowship with him. He wants you to have an intimate walk with him. He wants you to be in the light with him. He wants you to be in his protection. He wants you to be under his provision. He wants somebody, say amen. That's what God wants for your life. He wants to walk with you and talk with you, have an intimate relationship with you. He wants you to give him glory. He wants to give you favor. But you can't do that unless you're in his presence. And you can't be in his presence if you're in darkness. God won't even allow a stroll in the shade. Sin divides. It divides. I was given an illustration the other night about the same topic and principle. Me and my wife, we're married. She's my wife. I'm her husband. But that doesn't mean we're always on the same page. Are y'all with me? Sometimes issues arise where where we're not in great fellowship. Are y'all with me? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? That doesn't mean we're not married. She's still my wife, even if she ain't claiming me. She's still my wife, even if she ain't speaking to me. Y'all with me? Even if she's way over there and I'm way over there, we're still married. We're we're still family. But we're not on real good terms. But if we confess our sin, are y'all with me? If we come to each other and say, look, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, forgive me. Guess what? We're put back into a right relationship. That's what God's talking about. When you mess up, God's not going to kick you out of the family. You're in the family. Now, God may beat the devil out of you. But that's not because he's mad at you. But that's because he wants to hug you. That's because he wants to love on you. That's that's because he wants to be close to you and have a fellowship and a walk with you, not because he's angry at you. Sin divides. Sin will keep you from having a good relationship with your Father in heaven. Sin not only deceives, sin divides, but what also does sin do? Look at your notes. It, everybody say it, it. Every time sin is finished, it's always the same result, death. Always. Church, say amen. Amen. The peril in backsliding, sins consuming. B, the Savior's correction. The Savior's correction. 
I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because it seems like the last three services we've had have dealt with whoopings. If you've been to last week's lesson and the week before that and Sunday's lesson, we're, we're very aware that God will get our attention. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Three different forms. If you want to take these, if you wasn't here in the last three services, three different forms of correction, a rebuke, chastening, and scourging. Even to the point, 1 Corinthians chapter number 5, that God will take you out of this world. The Bible says there is a sin unto death. Then it says here, and, and, and when, when we read in James chapter number 5 verse 20, let him know that he that converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death. That's what it's talking about. That's what it's talking about. It's talking about a sin unto death. Now, so we all can stand here and understand and agree that if we stray, God's coming. He's on his way. Are y'all with me? Do I need to go any, any more of that? I only got nine minutes. Say amen right there. I understand. Say I, I understand. Okay. All right. We need to get right. We need to stay right. We need to be careful. Why? Because of sins consuming. Because of the Savior's correction. Then, then this is even more important. Not really more important. They're all important. Because of C, a stunted capability. Because of stunted capabilities. What's that mean? When you're living in sin... You can't be what God wants you to be. You cannot accomplish what God has called you to accomplish. How many of y'all remember that when God called Peter, he said, now you was a fisherman, but now I'm going to make you to be fishers of men. So God changed, God changed his occupation. Y'all with me? God changed his calling. God changed what he was to accomplish for the Lord. And what happened after, and, and, and see, I don't even have time to go into this, but boy, I want to go into this. I want to go into this and tell you that, that, that Jesus tried to warn Peter. Jesus gave Peter the word and said, your spirit's willing, but your flesh is weak. Satan has desired to have thee that may sift you as wheat, but I prayed for you. He gave him the word, but what? Peter was drifting to the point that he despised what Jesus was saying. He got angry at Jesus. And y'all know what happened? Even to the point, even to the point that when they went into the garden and was praying and Jesus asked Peter, James, and John to come in and pray with him, when Peter should have been praying, he was sleeping. And then what happened? He denied the Lord three times. Peter is in a backslidden state. Peter is not in a right relationship with his Savior. And this is what he said after the resurrection. After he had done, after God done told him, you're going to be fishers of men. This is what he tells the rest of them. I go a. Look what it, look what it says. Look what it says. Quick, 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 quick. John 21, 3. <clears throat> John 21, 3. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a. They say unto him, we also go with thee. What does that mean? Be careful in your backslidden state that you don't drag people with you. I, that's a whole other message right there. Amen. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught. You know why? Because the Bible said, I'm the vine, ye are the branches. If ye abide in me, and I in you, Ye shall bear much fruit. 
But he said this in that same John chapter number 15. But without me, ye can do, ye can do, how much did they catch? What happened when Jesus said, put your nets on the other side? You know why? Because without Jesus, you can do nothing. He was of no use. He was of no benefit to Jesus in that backslidden state. But when God welcomed him home, he stood on the day of Pentecost and saw thousands saved. What is one of the most important reasons for you to stay right and stay in a right relationship with God and not be in a backslidden state so God can use you? Let me ask you a question. What do you think Peter got the most joy out of? Fishing and catching nothing or preaching and seeing thousands repent and trust Christ? Why is being in a right relationship so important? So the capabilities and the opportunities you have for God are not stunted. I don't want to get to heaven and God says, see, you could accomplish. Are y'all with me? Say amen. All right, quickly. Number four. Number four. I want you to see the promise in backsliding. There's, there's really two promises. First, A, to the concerned brother. This is really what the chapter is teaching to begin with. He is talking about somebody who's concerned about somebody else. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, in other words, if somebody strays and wanders away from God, wanders away from the truth, and one convert him, the word convert means to turn. In other words, he turns him back to the right way. Let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save his soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. There is a promise to the concerned brother. God will bring that person back. God will bless your efforts. God will help you in that issue. There's a promise to the concerned brother, but there's also a promise to the converted backslider. There's also a promise to the converted backslider. What is that promise? If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Somebody say amen. amen. Psalms 32, 5, I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and my iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. Thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. What, what is promised to the backslider? Forgiveness, cleansing, and restoration. I want to encourage you to go read Psalms 51. Psalms 51 is the confession chapter of David after a man of God confronted him and turned him from the error of his ways. The man of God's name was Nathan. Psalm 51 is David's getting right chapter, if you will. And boy, toward the end of it, he said, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Let me tell you what's missing in every backslider's heart. Real joy. Real joy. Amen. Let me, let me give you three things. i got three minutes to give you three things. <clears throat> In Galatians chapter number 6, verse 1, I should have put it there in your, in your notes, but in Galatians chapter number 6, the Bible says, Ye which are spiritual, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one. Let me, let me read it. Here, here, here's what it says. Brethren, brethren, if any man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. I want to give you three things real quick. Let's say you're the one and you have a brother, you, you know of somebody that's straying, that's drifting right now. You say, what do I do? How, how, do I, how do I convert them? How do I turn them back to the right way? In this verse, we see three things that are really, really important. Number one, 
if you're going to, to turn someone back to the right way, if you're going, you're a concerned brother, and there is somebody that's backslidden, you want to go help them and bring them back into the fold, you want to help them get back to where they need to be, the first thing you need to be sure of is your own spiritual state. It says, ye that are spiritual, ye that are spiritual. There's been times I've dealt with things, but i dealt with them in the flesh. How many of y'all know you don't need to deal with stuff in the flesh? How many of y'all know the flesh will get angry on you? How many of y'all know the flesh will get emotional with you? And when you get highly emotional and get in anger, you don't do the right things, you don't say the right things. So you need to make sure your spiritual state is what it needs to be. You need to make sure that you're being led by the Spirit, that it's the Spirit of God that's telling you to do what you're doing. It's the Spirit of God that's leading you to, to confront this brother, to help this brother, or to encourage this brother. You need to make sure you're being led and you're listening to the Spirit so the Spirit will tell you what to say because the Spirit will not lead you astray. Say amen. You need to be sure of your own spiritual state. Number two, you need to be sure of your intention. You need to be sure of your agenda. What is your agenda? The Bible says, ye which are spiritual, what's the next word? Come on, what's the next word? Say it again. Say it loud. Help me, I only got a minute and 30 seconds. Say it again. The whole purpose of confronting somebody is not judgment. It's not condemnation. It's not being self-righteous, looking down at somebody and saying, you're way down there and I'm way up here. Look how holy I am. Look how wicked you are. The whole purpose of confronting somebody and reaching out to somebody is restoration. God's discipline is never for the purpose of anger. It's never for the purpose just just simply because he's mad at you. Anytime he's ever corrected one of his children, it's because he loves them and he wants them back into the family. He wants them back into the place of fellowship. Say amen. Listen, make sure of your intention. Make sure it's, it's a godly purpose. Make sure of your intention. Restoration. Then lastly, be sure of your, your spiritual state. Be sure of your intention. Then thirdly, thirdly, be sure of your approach. It better be humble. It better be in a spirit of meekness. You can be real frank and you can be real blunt with somebody if you do it in the right way. Make sure of your reproach. It needs to be in the spirit of meekness. Meekness means humble. It means tender. It means soft. I, I would say this. I would say this. If you can't have tears in your eyes, you may not need to confront somebody. Well, preacher, I, I got to confront them. There, wait. Then you get on your knees and you pray to God breaks your heart and then go deal with it. And all God's people say it. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for the hour you've given us. Thank you for this word. Help us to apply it and use it for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray.